Let's pray. God, I pray, would you speak directly to us today that we would hear your voice, that we would find you, Jesus, and lift up our eyes to you. And so for those that are watching at home or wherever they're watching from, and for those that are gathered here, let your spirit move that we might become more like Jesus in whose name we pray, amen. We're kicking off a new series today. It's always good to jump in at the beginning of a series. You don't feel like you're behind or missed anything along the way. And we're simply calling this series Influenced. And the idea behind Influenced is that we uh, are influenced, we all are, and that we are hopefully influencing other people as well. And this is what God calls us to do. So we're going to be unpacking that over the next several weeks and looking at this. And several months ago when we were gathered together as a staff and talking about this series and praying about the direction we needed to go, uh, Pastor Jet shared uh, something with me that I thought was really profound and it stuck with me. As we're talking about influences over our life, he was drawing as he often does on a scrap piece of paper, incredibly creative. And uh, he drew something and I was trying to redraw it and I really couldn't. So I just asked Linda, I said, can you make me a stick figure? And what Jet was talking about was this idea that at different seasons of our life, that we have different influences. And so you might start out and young, and, and boy, the family is a huge influence on your life, because that's really all you know. It's, it's the family. And then a little later, friends maybe come a little bit more into the vogue, and then culture is the biggest influence on your life, and then maybe music and social media, and then hopefully somewhere along the line, faith is. And as I look at those, and there's probably many more we could add to that list, at different seasons of my life, they had different impact of my life. I remember being a teenager, like, boy, music was it. We didn't really have social media back in that day, so music was it. And I remember my mom, we're driving along the road, and she was listening to some of the lyrics that, of the songs that I liked, and she goes, why, do you really listen to the lyrics? And I said what probably every kid has said at some point, oh, mom, I don't really listen to the lyrics, I just like the music. And she, oh, you know, she just started that, and I'm singing along on a song, and without me really realizing it, she quickly reached over and turned off the radio, and I kept singing. Oh, so you do know the lyrics of the songs. They're like, oh, of course we do. They're ingrained in our brain. Music was so vitally important. As I look back over my life, faith has had importance and very little importance. Unfortunately, that's just part of my story throughout my life. And so look at that and ask yourself this question. At this point in your life, which has the greatest influence on you in your life? Which has the greatest influence on your life? Now, as you wrestle with that question for just a moment, I've been doing research for this series. I came up with this graph that I, I really enjoyed because it was sort of like a step back in time, and I wanted to share this with you. You go back in the day in theater, that was it. That was sort of the media, and that's the only way you could get, and that's how they got information, and all that was there. And then the TV came into vogue, and then you got home computers, and you're like, what is that little thing there? Well, that's a VHS tape. Some of you don't even know what that is. But back in the day, that's how we recorded things. And See, and you see from the telephone to cell phones and, and how everything is sort of converging on that one point where it's all one. And some of you are like, man, I think we're already there. <laughs> because we've got entertainment, information, media, all of that right in our hands. Ironically, we call it a phone. That's probably the least use that we have for that thing in our pocket all the time is for a phone. But we use it for all kinds of things. And so I ran across this quote. When we talk about this convergence, here's what this looks like, and I thought this was so helpful for me. Convergence is not just a technology thing. 
So we're talking about technology, but that's not just it. It's a fundamental change in the relation between content producers and content consumers with economic, social, and political implications. It is a new standard that represents the most significant shift in production and distribution of public information content. Media convergence has allowed media to become a big part of our lives. And this is not to bash media. This is not to bash culture. This is not to bash the world. This is simply a, a way to ask the question, who is it that really is influencing me? Because it is a big business, by the way, media, if you didn't realize that. They spend a lot of money on media. Here's another uh, little graph for you in case you really like that. So they're anticipating $289 billion that is being, gonna be spent on media this next year. $289 billion. Do you know why they're spending $289 billion to get your attention? because it works. <laughs> That's why they spend that kind of money on that. And so it's good for us to pause and think about what are the things behind us that are sort of pushing us in a direction. And let's just be intentional about thinking about that because the truth of the matter is we are all influenced. Not a single one of us can say that, oh, nothing influences me. I make my own, no, we're all influenced. The only thing is we wanna be cautious about what we allow to influence you. And so be cautious about what you allow to influence you. And so what I want to do this morning is take the reading that Carlin read for you just a moment ago, and I want to unpack this a little bit and maybe give you a little backstory so you can understand it a little bit more and, and look at some of the ways that we see uh, just culture influencing decision-making. And then there's hope at the end. It gets a little depressing. I'll just admit, like going through this, it was depressing for me to begin with and having preached it twice already, it was a little depressing, so it gets heavy. But at the end, there is some hope. So hold on, please don't tune out. Um, stick with it till the end of this. So I wanna introduce you to a character. You heard his name in the reading, but you might not know who this is. And the character is Rehoboam. That was Solomon's son. And so back in the day, this is how you became king. You were just a relative of the king. The next son in line just became the next king. And so it started out with King Saul. That's Israel's history. He was the first king, but then he turned away from God, and God said, you're not gonna be king any longer. I'm gonna raise up somebody else. And he raised up David. And so David becomes king, and then Solomon was David's son who became king. And so Solomon's getting old, and he realizes his days are numbered. So he's set up now Rehoboam to take over the kingship. But it's never that easy, right? And so the Bible, I love how honest it is and how messed up uh, some of these functions, family functions are. And so you look at what's going on. And so what's going on is another man, not to be confused with Rehoboam, his name was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam became really the right-hand man for King Solomon. He was in charge of all the forced labor in Israel. So every workforce that was done, every building project, he was a part of. So he knew everybody and was well-liked. And Solomon raised him in the ranks. And then one day as he was going along, he ran into Ahijah, who was a prophet. And Ahijah came to him and he tore up his robes into little pieces and he gave 10 of them to Jeroboam and he says that God is gonna tear the kingdom away from Solomon and his son and he's gonna give 10 of the tribes to you. Now if you're Jeroboam, that's not good news for you. 
I'm sure he remembered the story of King David when David was anointed to become the next king and Saul was trying to kill him and David is hiding in caves and running around from next place to next just trying to get away from King Saul. So he knew a price was on his head and sure enough, Solomon tried to kill him. So he escapes down into Egypt. It's amazing how many times you hear that story over the Bible. Here's yet another example of going down to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt until Solomon dies. And he hears that Solomon dies and he figures it's safe to come back now. And the people are clamoring for him to come back because he was really the leader of the people. And so they all gather together and they're all ready to align behind Rehoboam. And they come to him with the question, it's like, man, your dad was such a a hard driver. He was building all of the time and he pushed us so hard. We just got one request. We'll serve you. Just listen up the load on us a little bit, would you? Just take the foot off the accelerator a little bit and not push us so hard and we'll gladly follow you. And now we hear, go to verse five. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. And so the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. And here's where it's good, I think, just to pause for a moment and point out the things that Rehoboam did right. These are great pieces of advice if you're wrestling with decisions or you've got to make some kind of choice in the matter. Here's some great advice that he did. He did two very smart things. He asked them for time and he asked them for advice. So time is a really good thing to have. How many of you got stuff that's stuck away in your garage somewhere that's buried, uh, something that you absolutely needed to have and now you haven't touched it in years? Or worse yet, you're paying for that to be stuck in storage somewhere because you absolutely had to have it because somebody told you this is the last one and you better get it now, it's never gonna be here and you've never really used it. Like you've probably made some poor decisions just based because you made a decision way too quickly. And, and maybe it's not just stuff you bought. Maybe it's something that you dis- made some decisions in life with and you regret those decisions because in the moment you did what you really wanted to do and you didn't take the time to consider it. You didn't sleep on it. And how many bad decisions have you made because you just simply didn't take the time to consider Where is that gonna go? Where is that leading me? How is this gonna play out in the future? But we make snap decisions and snap judgments and we find ourselves in a trap. So at least Rehoboam did the right thing where he took some time. Give me three days. I wanna think through this. And then he did the next right thing, which is to get some people around him and ask for advice. And so he asked some of his father's people that had been around the block a few times. They'd been through this. They'd seen the kingdom. They know the ups and downs. They know the history. And would you tell us what you think you should do? And they answered him. He said, here's what you should do. You should just take your foot off the accelerator just a little bit. If you would just serve your people and not push them so hard, they're gladly going to follow you. Even Jeroboam, who they're all looking to, he even said, he'll follow you. Just lighten the load a little bit. And it would be wonderful if that was the end of the story. But you know that's not really the end of the story. There's always a but in the story. And we get the next but in the story. Look at verse eight. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders that they gave him and consulted the young men who he had grown up with and were serving him. And here's just a little pause in this regard. If you're getting advice only from the people you're paying or that report to you, probably not gonna get really good advice. They're gonna tell you what you want to hear. And so he asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer the people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? 
And so they told him what he wanted to hear. And this is the foolish thing that so many people who really make bad decisions, they don't think about who's influencing them, and they get going in a run direction, and before they realize it, they've made a really, really bad decision. He did one very foolish thing. He was influenced by people who told him what he wanted to hear. I don't want to hear serve your people. I don't want to hear just lighten the load a little bit. So he gathers his friends around. Hey, what do you think I should say? Oh, I know what you need to tell him. You need to tell him you're tougher than your dad. You thought he was bad. I'm gonna be even tougher than he was. I'm gonna make it even worse for you and, and just show him who's man. Just man up, be tough, bow up, and let them fear you and be intimidated by you. This is what you need to do. Rule the people with fear. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanna hear. I wanna be the tough guy. I wanna be the big guy, and this is what I'm gonna say. And so he heard what he wanted to hear. Paul told that to Timothy as well. There's gonna be a day, young Pastor Timothy, when people are just gonna go and they're gonna go to any spiritual guru who's just gonna tell them what they wanna hear. And they're gonna be able to find people who will tell them what they want to hear. But let me just give you a little side note here. If all you're hearing from God is what you want to hear, you're not really listening to the voice of God. Because I've found the voice of God to be incredibly challenging where he points out something in my life and, and causes me to consider some things and change some behaviors and change some thoughts and some attitudes. God's word is convicting to me. It cuts to my heart sometimes, and I look at that. I'm like, I wanna follow Jesus better today than I used to. This is what the word of God does. This is what God speaks. But so many people just wanna hear, just tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm all right. Tell me I can do whatever I wanna do. Tell me I'm forgiven. Tell me it just, it's really okay. It doesn't matter what I really do with my life. You can always find people who are gonna tell you what you need to hear. God isn't going to always tell you what you need to hear or what you want to hear. He'll tell you what you need to hear. And so he rejects the advice by the elders and listens to his friends. And from that one decision, the empire is split. Israel is no longer one. It's now a divided kingdom from north and from south, the 10 tribes and the two tribes in the south, from Israel and Judah. And forever, it changed the trajectory. One decision that was made by one bad choice, by listening to people who told him what he wanted to hear. Now, it's really easy to jump on Rehoboam and say, well, it's all your fault. Look what you did. It used to be a united kingdom. Now it's divided because you made one stupid bad choice. But as I was looking through this text and studying it a little bit more, I, I asked this question, well, where did that start? Where did it get off the tracks? Where did it come derailed? What happened in this whole thing? And I want to back up. And if you got your Bibles, you can take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter, or I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. Because we hear about his dad, Solomon. And in verse 4, it says this As Solomon grew old, his wives, and there's a problem right there, multiple wives, turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David, his father, had been. David made some really bad choices, too, that are recorded in Scripture. You don't get away with murder. You don't get away with adultery. Uh, he didn't. But in the midst of that, he hugged his cactus, and he came back and, and lifted up his eyes to God. God, I want to follow you again. His heart was fully committed, even in the mistakes. None of us are mistake-free. It's what do you do in those moments? 
And David would hug his cactus and come back to God. Solomon uh, turned away from God. And the Bible records that two different times God appeared to Solomon to wake him up. I don't know what exactly happened, but he had multiple chances to have a different story told about his life. And he refused to listen. And so God was angry with Solomon. And so then verse 11, the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, your choice, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. I can't imagine what Solomon must have been feeling and thinking in that moment. I've just made a huge mistake. And he sees the choice that he's been making all along and where it's finally led him. And I imagine he's feeling the weightiness of that. It's like, this is all my fault. And not only is it my fault, but my son is gonna have to bear the brunt of my choice that I made. Because while Rehoboam was growing up, this is what King Solomon was doing, turning his heart away from God. So what did Rehoboam learn to do? Turn his heart away from God. And I just wanna do what I wanna do. And I imagine there's a ton of regret in Solomon. I imagine there's a ton of shame in Solomon. There's a ton of, oh, I wish I would have sat down with my son and had a conversation about him. I wish I would have gone back over the Proverbs and this wisdom. When I was walking with God, I wish I would have continued to walk with God and not just gone in my own direction. And I wonder if this morning, if some of you aren't feeling that same kind of feeling in your spirit. Man, I wish I would have. I wish I could go back and undo some decisions I made. I, I wish I would have taken some time. I wish I would have just asked for some advice. I, I wish I would have followed God with all of my heart and not just done what I wanted. I wish I wouldn't have surrounded myself with, with friends who only tell me what I wanna hear and not tell me what I need to hear. I wish I would have thought about who is influencing me and who's pushing me from behind and, and what direction they're pushing me in. I wish I would have taken some time to do that. There's great questions you need to ask in life. I wanna just give you a little book if you love books to read. This is a, a great book. It's easy to read in terms of well-written, but boy, it's tough to, to manage. Andy Stanley, who I really enjoy, wrote this book, Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets, just five questions to ask yourselves. I'm not gonna give you all five of them. I just wanna give you one question that I think is, is so powerful that I imagine Solomon wish he would have asked. I imagine Rehoboam wish he would have asked this question, and it's simply this. What is the wise thing to do, not what's the popular thing to do, not what does society want me to do, not what do my friends want me to do, not even what I want to do, what is the wise thing to do? In other words, let me play this out a little bit and see where this leads. Let me think about the decision, let me take some time and let me gather some people around me who can help me look at this from a different vantage point as I begin to make these important decisions in my life, I wanna do some with some wise counsel uh, around me. And so what is the wise thing to do? Now let me give you some hope for those who are feeling a little heavy and a little like, oh wow, I feel a lot of regret and, and pain and sorrow in this. 
you're probably familiar if you've grown up in church, if you've uh, read it all the Bible or seen a game with somebody holding up a John 3.16 sign. <laughs> For God so loved the world. Man, it's a wonderful verse. I've always loved the verse right after that, John 3, 17. I think this is good news for all of us today. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And that's really what we deserve. I told you, you should have, you knew better. Now you gotta pay for it. He didn't come in to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why Jesus came, to save the world. But I made some bad choices, God, I know. That's why I came. That's why I died a horrific death on the cross to pay for your bad decision. But I'm, I'm, I'm still living in that bad, I know. And I've come to set you free from that. This doesn't have to be the rest of your story. If you are still breathing, there is still a chance for you to change your story. Because it doesn't matter what's happened in your life. Jesus changes everything. Whatever you've done in your life, you add Jesus to that, Jesus changes everything. But I've made a mess of my life, I know. Jesus will step into that mess, into that chaos, and bring order and bring peace and set you on a new trajectory. All you have to do is, is fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, I wanna follow you with all of my heart. I know I haven't done that, but man, today, I wanna rededicate myself to following you because I made a mess of my life and all of heaven screams amen and God says I will help you get yourself out of that mess and set you free and set you on a new path. This is what God wants to do with you. And there's still hope for you today. But don't let today go by without acting on the spirit of God pushing you. Solomon had multiple chances and maybe today is that chance. Man, I've been pushing God away. I've just been doing my own thing and coming to church just so I can feel a little bit better about myself. Stop feeling a little bit better about yourself and start passionately pursuing Jesus because God will transform your life and set you free. Don't think you can do it on your, you can't do it on your own strength. You need Jesus in your life. This is why he came. This is why he died. What Jesus did on the cross was enough for whatever you find yourself in today, whatever you're gonna find yourself in tomorrow, Jesus was enough for you. So please, please, don't leave here today. Don't turn off your computer or your iPad without making some choice today. 